0: Sign up for Score North's Pick Your Prize. You can register daily through the Score North app or go to scorenorth.com keyword prize. Sweepstakes begins March 18th. Special thanks to our prize partners. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present
1: Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast.
0: Hello, welcome to the post-Minnesota Vikings-Green Bay Packers purple podcast. Matthew Collar along with Judd Zolgad in the press box at U.S. Bank Stadium following a huge, huge, huge victory for the Minnesota Vikings, Judd. We went into this game, there was a graphic that ESPN had that if the Vikings did not win this game, that their playoff odds would drop all the way down to 26%. And if they did win the game, they would jump up to 71%. And we are at the 71%. So where do you want to start, Judd? Lots to talk about here. There's a head coach on the Green Bay side that uh, his seat is scalding hot. There's probably a frustrated Green Bay quarterback. There is a vindicated offensive coordinator and quarterback quarterback on the Viking side, and a very, very happy defensive-minded head coach whose defensive line was as good as it was supposed to be on this night. Where do you want to begin?
1: Well, I'd like to start off with an appreciation for one person. And I believe that if you're a Viking fan, you have to value this man's presence tonight completely and say thank you, Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy, is is he at one time, I think he was an effective head coach. I think at one time, he he was a good play caller. But the National Football League, as we know it, has passed him by. And thanks to the thousands of people who own Packer stock and still employ him, the Vikings won tonight because this game was 14-all at the half. The Vikings had missed two field goals, and I really felt in the first half like it was a game of hot potato, Matthew, where teams were like – I don't want it, you take it. No, I don't want it, you take it. And it went back and forth until Mike McCarthy decided in his uh, own territory to go for it on fourth and one. And what was the play call? It wasn't to feature Aaron Rodgers, who was going to walk immediately to Canton when his career is done. It wasn't to get creative. It was to run up the middle against the Minnesota Vikings defense. Harrison Smith stopped it. Vikings take possession. Yes, they stall, but they get get a field goal. But I really felt that when this game went to 17-14, it was game over. So I think because Mike McCarthy is going to be fired. It should be tonight, but it won't be. It won't be tomorrow. It'll probably be on a Black Monday after this season comes to an end. But I really believe the Vikings fans should be very appreciative because uh, the last couple of years, and especially tonight, were spent wasting a Hall of Fame quarterback. And if you're a Viking fan, nothing wrong with that. You should be very happy. So I would like to start by saying from all Vikings fans Thank you, Mike McCarthy. This was a nice parting gift from you and an early Christmas present to the Vikings.
0: What an unbelievable two weeks for Mike McCarthy. Last week, he plays against the Seattle Seahawks, has fourth and two, and decides to punt the ball away only to have Seattle run the clock out on him. And this week, he decides to run the ball at Linval Joseph, in which I talked to the entire defensive line after the game, and the constant theme, depending on which guy you talked to, was... Thank you. Please do that all year long, all opposing coaches. If you want to run it, Linval Joseph and now Sheldon Richardson or Tom Johnson, who's in there a lot, or whoever else. If you want to run it, Everson Griffin, Daniil Hunter, you go ahead and run right at those people. I mean, mean, it just boggles the mind. Going for it there is not super defensible on your side of the field. That's just a bad plan, especially after he didn't go for it on the other side of the field. Earlier in the game, but taking the ball out of the hands of Aaron Rodgers seems to be a consistent theme with Mike McCarthy. And that is mind-boggling and incredible, and there's no way he should continue to coach that football team, but for this evening, the Minnesota Vikings benefit in huge, huge fashion. They did what they were supposed to do, and then once David Bakhtiari went out with an injury, it seemed that the Packers' offensive line completely fell apart, and the defensive line for the Vikings annihilated the Green Bay offensive line, which has been very good this season in, in general, but... It starts with their left tackle, who's tremendous, and the fact they couldn't shut down Everson Griffin, they got after Rodgers on a consistent basis, and were able to take care of business once they got up. Is there anything else you want to say about McCarthy? Because I want to swing to Kirk Cousins here. No, there's not. No, no. He just he essentially took a game
1: that I felt that that both teams were afraid to win and said, I'm going to screw this up beyond belief, but... Just be prepared because the next time the Packers play a game here, they're going to do so with a great quarterback and a more competent head coach. So I guess in short, enjoy tonight's win because the Packers helped you and that's not going to be – the norm because Mike McCarthy is going to be gone after the 2018 season and now on to Kirk Cousins.
0: And, and usually Bill Belichick does not make that mistake. So next week, uh, I think you're facing a little tougher. Well, oh, this is a huge. This was a huge win. Yes, it is. It is because it takes really the pressure off the next two weeks. If they were to have lost this game they would have gone into the next two weeks thinking they needed two wins on the road against Brady and Wilson. Now if you split those, or even if you lose both of those, you're still ahead of Green Bay and in good shape and all set, more likely than not, because Green Bay would have to win two, you'd have to lose two. A lot would have to happen in, in order for Green Bay to get back close to where the vikings are now and you look at the other teams who are in the race there's the six and five seattle you got six and five carolina well now the vikings feel like they're in very good shape going into that wild card race and they could still chase down chicago they'll have a game at the end of the season where they'll potentially have that opportunity so it's a huge win but i want to go to kirk cousins because last sunday kirk cousins lost the game against Chicago with two very poor interceptions. They could not move the ball in the first half. All the pressure this week was on Cousins, and offensive coordinator, and he came in and performed brilliantly. The start of this game, the first two drives, we were rolling eyes up here, and I think a lot of fans were getting quite anxious after those two drives, especially when Aaron Rodgers went down and threw a touchdown pass. The fact that Cousins responded, put up pretty big numbers here tonight, uh, huge numbers. They could have finished a few more drives and put up a few more points. But other than that, there's very little to criticize and a lot to praise about Kirk Cousins' overall performance. And I would like to say, let us put to rest the bogus narrative that the guy can't play in primetime. He had a bad game against the top defense. He performed mostly well against the Rams and Saints, yep. aside, aside from some faux pas, of course but his career, when I looked back at all the primetime games that he had played, mm-hmm. it was the same as you've always gotten from Kirk Cousins, which is some amazing, some bad, and a lot in the middle. And tonight he landed on an amazing square and played exceptionally well against a very beat-up defense that did not have Mike Daniels and two other cornerbacks. They took full advantage, got the ball to the receivers, a great night for Kirk Cousins. The I-
1: issue with Kirk is this, very sim- uh, simply caller, When Cousins' bad comes along, it's really bad, and so it stands out. Now, the key to me tonight was this, security of the football, right? No picks, and and if you saw tonight, anytime there was pressure, he took that football and secured it in a big way. We've come, I believe that somebody has gotten through to him to say, Kirk, if you're going to maybe get sacked or maybe run the football, It can't be loose, that we can't have that. So I thought that security of the football is absolutely paramount, important, and he was successful in doing that tonight. The interesting post-game assessment from Zim, who praised Flip up and down, because, of course, he criticized John Filippo last week and came back tonight and said, you know, he called a great game. He incorporated Rudolph. He did this. He did that. The interesting comment, though, from Zim regarding Cousins and this is going. I think this is going to be taken away as a negative by some, but it's absolutely not. But it's incredibly accurate. And is, is it is it what you want to say about a guy who you're paying the type of cash that they're paying Cousins? I don't know, but it's what you need to win, especially with this defense. We heard about how he did an excellent job of managing the football game. Okay, now managing a football game to me has become this. You know, oh my god, he's a game manager. He's not worth. But that's not true. This defense can win you games, and we've talked about this a thousand times. If Kirk Cousins is playing at his optimal level, he can make some huge throws. He can make some big plays. There are plays that he can make that take him up a notch. But what you need from him the majority of the time, you can't have fumbles. You can't have picks. You need a smart game. So I found it very interesting, and I don't think it was a mistake, that in talking about Cousins' game, the head coach talked about management of the game and that being Very good, and I think that you'll have some folks saying, oh, wow, well, well, what does that mean? I think it means exactly what Mike Zimmer wants,
0: which is consistency, quality play, and nothing dumb. Yep, not turning the ball over when there were some chances that he could have taken and decided not to and, and ate the football instead of winging it. That Winging it is a word that we have used over and over with him because it, it will just seem like, uh-oh, there's some pressure, let it go, chuck and duck, as he said in his very first press conference. We didn't see any of that tonight, and... We also saw the distribution of the ball much better, and I don't know if that's Filippo or if that's Kirk Cousins, but that was something really worth looking at is getting the ball to Delvin Cook right away on a screen pass. Yes. Imagine that. Where was that last yes. week? Where has that been for most of the season, the screen passes to the running backs? Even when Delvin has been out, you can throw them to Latavius Murray. He can catch the football and, and run they're with And their kinder it. runs. Their run plays, right? Like I think we, we get far
1: too hung up on, that really wasn't a screen, it was this. Who cares? The short passing game. Right. For this team to be successful, they need to be able to execute because their run game is flawed. That's just a fact, and it's not going away. But if you get the ball to Cook, and let's say it's a, I don't know, five-yard pass, guess what? That is a run play. And so, yes, I thought tonight... We saw Cousins play the exact game that, that if this team is going to be successful for the remainder of this season. You absolutely have to see, which is not a dynamic game. It's a really smart game. And if the, and if things break down or start to go wrong, you eat the football. But you do it by tucking it and not fumbling it.
0: I think that Zimmer probably doesn't mind that there were a few sacks that were allowed there because they weren't turnovers. and And that's okay if you take a sack here and there that doesn't, wreck your entire game or, or give the other team an opportunity to score off a turnover or short field or something like that. So the fact that he did not do that on a very big stage here in a really important game where he's going toe to toe with Aaron Rodgers, a it says the guy's fine prime time. He is who he is. There was nothing ever to that, um, but he needed to show it though, right? Going and three prime time well, against period, good though. teams, right? He needed to show the that ha- the,
1: the dumb mistakes have to go away because, and we've said this for weeks now, the dumb cousins' plays cost you games and seasons. If he eliminates those, guess what? You're probably fine.
0: Well, yeah, and, and part of that is throwing to people like Delvin Cook and Kyle Rudolph. And, yes. and you mentioned Rudolph. That one drive was fueled by a couple of throws right to Kyle Rudolph. And when John Filippo took over, we thought – Yeah, they're going to throw 80 passes to Kyle Rudolph, and that hasn't really been the case, but that was something that Pat Shermer did really, really well. And there were a lot of pages that were pulled from the Pat Shermer book. I've got to wonder if Zimmer went through the things that he loved from last year that he wanted to see carry over. The screenplay that goes for a touchdown is a Shermer play. Like, down to the detail of putting Kyle Rudolph in the backfield and having him go to the left and Delvin Cook to the right – That's a play that they used last year against the Tampa Bay Bucks with Delvin Cook that I even featured in an article last week about how they needed to kick up the screen game Mm -hmm. because against the Lions, they had hit on a couple that were very close to breaking big plays, very close, like tripping on a guy's leg or a throw that needed to be a little bit better on the screen. And then they abandon it against Chicago, and I just don't understand that. So sometimes I guess the pressure that comes from Mike Zimmer can work when he's putting it on some people because they changed a lot here. And Cousins, with the big game that he had, I think is huge for them going down the stretch to prove that he could win it. Because even though I know from a close investigation that he has been himself in prime time and it's kind of random that he just didn't come out with the wins and losses and his team wasn't that good in Washington for some of those times. That doesn't mean that they don't know, though. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the, the, but I think the, the prime-time thing, though, I, I think that
1: also is part and parcel of when he screws up, it's pretty big. And, and in prime-time, everybody's watching that. Right, right. And so if, if he plays a noon game, right, and let's say he makes 10 really good plays, 40 okay plays, and three atrocious plays, you are you might see those three atrocious plays. You might not because everybody else is essentially playing during that time. But – if he does that in a primetime game, everyone's like, Oh my God, that play was terrible. And so I, I think the primetime narrative comes as a result of the fact that, that those things stand out so, so much more than it, it might not be fair, but it goes back to what you keep saying. And it's accurate. There are a lot of games where Kirk Cousins is just Kirk Cousins and he's going to make some really, really bad plays and. For this team to achieve the success that they hope to have, the most important thing is you need to find a way. And, and it might be talking to him, it might be getting mad—I don't know what—but you need to find a way to eliminate those, let's say, three clunkers because they can't happen.
0: Well, I, I think it was important though to have the prime time game for the players in the locker room and on that offense to believe in Kirk Cousins. Sure. I mean, because they are still. Adapting to him as their quarterback and his leadership style that we've broken down a number of different times, uh, and, and his personality and how he plays and things like that. And you know, I don't know if every player is going to go through my article with a far, <laughs> fine-tooth comb or if they're going to what? hear that. I know they might not. Uh, they might not. That's and, BS. You know, what are you it, about? and see if if the narrative makes sense or not. They're going to see if they had lost tonight with Cousins and he hadn't played well. I mean, that would have been four primetime games against good teams. I'm still calling this a good team in Green Bay that they would have lost. I think it's huge, a huge swing in the playoff percentages, but it's also a huge swing in how they view him as their franchise quarterback, the guys inside that locker room.
1: Now, allow me to slow you down just a little bit on this fact, though. This Green Bay team is not good. So I hate to uh, – you went and played on the road in Chicago against a Bears defense that's really good. And your game plan stunk, you, for the most part, stunk, and that team lost. This Green Bay game, the problem that I've had with this Vikings team a few times so far during the course of the uh, 2018 season is they'll beat a team like the Packers or Detroit. And I'll say, oh, yeah, that that's great. And the wins are important. But, man, I still would, really would love to see this team go to the Patriots a week from today or – Seattle, which is going to be an incredibly tough game, and win a game like that and play a really smart defensive first type type of game. Because I do need to see the Vikings beat a team that at least is, if not with a winning record, a good team. Or a team that I consider to be a good team, preferably on the road. At halftime tonight, I sat here thinking, you know what? There were a couple nice drives by the Vikings. It's tied at 14. But I also thought to myself, we're seeing them shoot themselves in the foot just a bit too much, and so I think to be completely convinced about this team or a little bit more to jump onto that side of the fence, I really do want to see them a week from Sunday go into Foxborough and play a really good, smart game. No quarterback mistakes. Things might go wrong here and there, but come back from that. So I just, I when we did the podcast after the Detroit game here, I sort of did the same thing that I'm doing tonight. And I got oh, hey, you know, it's it's good, and they did this and that. And I do come back to the fact that the biggest excitement that we've had about this team this year is beating teams that they should beat, which is all well and good. Now go now go win a game where I thoroughly don't expect that you're going to.
0: Well, the rest of the way... Does that way, sound fair? It, it is because they haven't beat a team with a winning record. I know. And when we looked at the schedule initially, we thought, oh, it's going to be really hard, but they've gotten through it with beating only the teams that are bad by their records. I mean, you know, this team tonight did not have a very good defense. With Mike Daniels in there, it's a lot better, especially with the way the Vikings struggle on the interior. But not having Mike Daniels, you could really tell the difference there. And missing some of the defensive backs, there was a real difference there. I think Kevin King is a pretty good player, and, and he was out. And so, you know, we saw Stefan Diggs spin a guy around like a top on a touchdown catch. And that just, you know, I mean, things like that are helped out by the fact that that defense is not in very good shape. And overall, looking at their record with their coach in consideration here, they usually will give you a chance to win the game. This current iteration of the Packers. And I think I saw in Rogers last 17 games, he's eight, eight and one. So, I mean, this team really hasn't been super dangerous in quite some time, and now they will actually face a very dangerous New England team and then a team that I have a lot of respect for in Seattle. But really, I mean, you go the rest of the way, you got Detroit again, you got Miami, and then Chicago. The only game that they can't really – well, I guess that I would look at as as a Super Bowl contender, aside from the Patriots, is the game in Week 17. The rest of the way, if you split one of the next two – You're in good shape, yeah. Then I mean, you can roll to the playoffs if you just split one of the next two. I'm just saying, impress me,
1: right? I I I want to be impressed, right? I want to see them them go into Foxborough, win, and say, "Wow, that that's a impressive win." And and because I just I feel like like we see games like we did tonight, and I still can't translate the product that we saw tonight or against Detroit to the playoffs. And I think this team right now is in in very good shape to make the playoffs. But I think the question then becomes, do we see them as a team that can make the playoffs and win a game or two games or what? And so I'd like to see this win tonight taken into next week. And and you pile up an impressive win there against the Patriots. And now you say to yourself, hold on a second here, that, that when you get to the playoffs, this team could have a real chance. And I don't
0: know that I'm there yet. So last year we had the Rams win. That was what did it for us. That was what put us over the top, and we decided, okay, this is definitely a Super Bowl team. Uh, I think they took a small step, but not the big step that you're looking for. That really couldn't have been done tonight because this Packers team is just not. Would have been last week. It's not anywhere in that echelon of a Chicago, New Orleans, or the Rams, and they have not passed those tests. Let's get to a couple of the smaller things in this game on the Viking side. So we. We know, yes, we know (laughs) that Mike McCarthy botched the game management. The game management for Mike Zimmer was very interesting. Going for it a couple times, then not. At the end of the game, I loved going for it to just put a bullet in them, even though it didn't work. And then the kicking situation, the end of the first half situation management Uh, We could start there. I I thought that they mismanaged the clock again because they were too afraid of Aaron Rodgers. Even though their defense had been playing pretty well against Rodgers, I thought they should have been much more aggressive and tried to get Bailey closer. I mean, you set him up with a 50-plus yard field goal because you let the clock go down 40 seconds. I mean, I, I think that one of these things is an issue and the other isn't that the clock management at the end of halves is definitely an issue. And it has been all season long. Mm -hmm. And I think the going for it on fourth downs that Zimmer has consistently, I think been on the right side of those for the most part, the only one that was really questionable was in new Orleans where they gave the ball back to Breeze on their side of the field. Didn't love that one. That was kind of a coin flip. But other than that, this season, I think he's been very good with the fourth downs yes. and being aggressive, but really not good. Not just Zimmer, but Kirk Cousins, John Flipple, everyone on the offensive side at the end of first halves, and it might ultimately be an issue in a big game. And the first
1: half, is this the, was this the third time tonight that we've seen that? We saw Cousins mismanage the clock, something horrible in the Coliseum against the Rams. Week one At the did. end of the first half. Week one, and then tonight... And I got a bunch of tweets saying, yeah, they didn't they didn't want to put the ball back in Rodgers and the Packers hands at the end of the first half. All right. If they had managed the clock really well at the end of the first half until tonight, I'd say I don't know that I agree with that decision. But clearly the the people who responded to me on Twitter are right. But they just look like in Kirk, especially it looks at times like they don't have a clue there. So I don't I don't know if this was all about we don't want the Packers to get the ball back, which with with the way that the Vikings defense was playing by that point, I don't agree with. Or if it was, well, we sort of didn't want that, but we also don't have a clue. And I think this comes down to Cousins feel for the clock and, and the game, especially at that point, doesn't seem to be good. And so I agree with you on that. The fourth down stuff. I think I think Zimmer's come a long way in a lot of game I I think year 1 there were a lot of things that we saw where he tried to manage the clock and downs and failed. And to his credit, I think he's learned and gotten pretty good. But I I really believe unless I can be proven wrong about this that the end of the half clock management issues are as much on the QB if not more and there doesn't seem he doesn't seem to have the proper sense of urgency or ability To manage that, and I don't know in this point in his career if that can be learned or what, but it was watching them sort of, I don't know, methodically move down the field as the clock is ticking. And at one point, what was the play that we were talking about where you said there were 40 seconds that came off because you're watching that
0: thinking what the hell are they doing it was second 18 with one minute and 10 seconds to go and they let a ton of time go off and then got a completion and set themselves up i think third and seven and then let even more time go off before running a play but then they didn't give themselves enough time And, and at that point The Packers, I believe, were out of timeouts. So, I I mean, you'd be talking about punting it all the way down into their 20-yard line and then forcing Rodgers to go the whole field in 30 seconds. I mean, not that he can't do it, but, I mean, why are you letting him dictate what you can do there? And the Packers were out of timeouts because they used two
1: timeouts thinking that that they could get the ball back. And and I was talking to a uh, reporter from Green Bay who said he's got no clue there. McCarthy, I mean, the whole thing... Was a Mark's brother skit. Watching the Vikings attempt to move the ball, watching McCarthy call timeouts. It was like, what is anybody doing here? It's like a comedy. It was really bad.
0: At that point, yes. that Both sides were botching that in every way they possibly could have. And eventually, we got to the half with a miss from Dan Bailey, who also missed from 46, is it, or 48? Oh, let me, 40, I've got it. I believe it. it was 46. He missed from 48
1: wide oh, 48, left okay. and then 56. Okay. He, he made what? He made the one from 51, is that correct? But there was a penalty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He attempted one, penalty... Yep. False start. Yeah, moves the ball back, and so so he was guilty, for the most part, really of one miss, forty eight yards wide. Open.
0: Yeah, fifty six yards. I, I mean, I, I can't much. really blame anyone for that. And he got
1: hit on the play as well. So, but yes, he did. He became that became the fourth kick field goal attempt to be missed by a Vikings kicker, Daniel Carlson or Dan Bailey, against the Packers this season.
0: So, what is your trust level on a one to ten scale? of Dan Bailey if that same kick inside 50 yards needs to be made in a postseason contest.
1: Oh, you know what? Daniel Carlson, it would have been a two right now, maybe a negative two. (laughs) I'm going to say about a seven. I think he makes it. I think he he hasn't been fantastic, but I think a veteran kicker, because I don't think he's going to panic about it, I think he, he makes it. So I'm going to give him a 7 on a scale of 1 to 10 as far as trust goes inside 50 yards.
0: I think he's basically been what Kai Forbath would have given them, a guy that you're not going to hit from 60 yards, but, yeah. but mostly reliable. Still, you have to hold your breath a little bit. Forbath missed more extra points. Bailey seems to be fairly reliable when it comes to the extra points. Uh, at that moment when he missed it, I thought, Well, they will be looking for a new kicker tomorrow. But, you know, the state of kicking around the NFL, I think that they just got a ride or die with Kai Forbath, or uh, I'm sorry, Dan Bailey. What is your theory kicking in this league? What's happened? I have no idea. Just overnight. It seemed like it fell apart. It was as if.
1: All right. So so they moved the PAT back. What, three years ago now, two years ago? Yeah. All right. And the league did that very much on purpose to add
0: intrigue to the PAT and perhaps incentivize teams to go for two. And Can I just stop you right there? Yeah. Add intrigue to the PAT is something that only the NFL would be dumb enough to do. But go on. Okay. So then you thought to yourself, okay, this is going to make it more of, of an adventure. And, of course,
1: a lot of coaches still are hesitant to go for two, so they went for the PATs and guys started to miss. But it's as if that started a snowball effect. And now we got PATs missed. We've got field goals missed. Graham Gano t- today for Carolina missed a potential uh, field goal that would have beat the uh, Seahawks. I just the state of kicking now is so weird because what four or five years back the percentages were incredible and basically Bailey, yeah, nobody Bailey missed. Was a big part of that. Nobody missed for a, a while and now you're right. Okay, you cut Dan Bailey and you're going where now? Back to Kai Forbath. That's right. Yeah. You know, it's just a, yeah. so, but yeah, it is. I am amazed at at how. Interesting uh, place kicking has turned into after a while back. We thought to ourselves, it's one of the surest thing in the sport.
0: Yep. So uh, they, I I think, have to stick... With Dan Bailey, there's no other really good option. It's clear that the NFL has just moved beyond Kai Forbath for whatever reason. Did he Which, do something? I, I don't know because, like Graham Gano, you mentioned he's missed a bunch of extra points, but people are fine with him as a kicker. It was 89 percent of field goals over the two years he was here, and then he can't find hey, Forbath. J- yeah, Forbath, okay. and he can't find a job. And it and like these other teams are signing guys out of college, undrafted free agents. Daniel Carlson like, got picked up. I mean, it, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Carlson gets picked up, although I I understand that. Oakland's in a great place to pick him up because there's no pressure kicks. That's for sure. They could just evaluate him. Um, When we look at how the defense played, Mm -hmm. as bad as it was for Mike McCarthy calling this game, and we feel like he just put... Aaron Rodgers in a bad spot. Do we? Did you see anything that would even hint at being a misdirection run by I mean, we saw the Chicago Bears, and we saw the Los Angeles Rams misdirection this team to death. I know. And then we come in here, and it's like they never watched the tape. And we saw Mike McCoy get fired for this, where he brought Arizona in here, and they ran nothing that would help David Johnson get in space, and then he got fired. And then... They come in after just watching the Bears use all this horizontal stuff, getting guys open, getting guys in space, and they do none of it. None of it. Matthew, it's very, very simple. Mike McCarthy
1: was hired by the Packers as their coach the same year that Childress was hired by the Vikings, which is 2006, and Mike McCarthy is very much still calling plays and coaching in, I would say, circa 2011 or so. Yeah, He just hasn't adjusted. He hasn't adapted, and guess what? Shocking, I know. He's stubborn as hell, right? So it's as if he he won't. Aaron Rodgers every waking moment that I see him playing football now looks miserable, and I don't blame him. There's no adapting, there's no adjusting, and you're right. The Vikings defense has issues. They're they're good, but they have issues that can be exploited. And the Green Bay Packers attempted to exploit zero of, of those. And despite that despite that fact, At halftime of tonight's game, this game was potentially a toss-up. And the Green Bay Packers did everything that they could to lose this game. And I don't understand how you can watch film of, as you said, I don't know, the Rams game, the Bears game. Take your pick. And still come out and say, we're going to run our system.
0: But they did it. And so the defense, in response, dominated on the defensive line because if you're not Moving them around and you're just letting them pass rush you, they are four of the best players. And I'll add Tom Johnson as being another great player who's very successful in the pass he's rush. Your guy he, too. he picks up a sack. He is my guy. Tom and I talked after the game. We shared a moment. I Why don't asked him. call him, him uh, Tommy. You call him T- Tommy? TJ. Yeah, I call him TJ. Just call him T. He calls me uh, the one guy <laughs> that he's. <laughs> Fairly recognizable to him. hey one guy, hey a uh, guy there who I've seen before, um, so, but 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 Tom Johnson has added another layer to this. Stephen Weatherly has added another layer to this. But if you're going to beat the Vikings, leaving a backup, or I believe they moved Bulaga from the right to the left. Is that what happened? I uh, you they, know what I was. Uh, okay, I I'd, didn't have to, I'd have see to go that, back.
1: That would make sense. I'm gonna have
0: to go back and check the tape. That would make when sense. When you lose Bakhtiari, who's an amazing player, yes, very good, and then you still keep running the same stuff to leave Everson Griffin one-on-one, he's going to murder you. And that's what he did. He just murdered them. And it blows my mind that they stole nothing from the Rams, they stole nothing from Chicago, and they just kept making Rodgers ha- make great throws. Like in the first half, all Rodgers did was make these great throws. Yep. But but asking him to do that for full games is a little bit tough for any quarterback, even the best. Especially when when you've got film basically illustrating to you
1: what you can do against this defense to be successful that's right, the, that's right. the incredible thing and you've got you've got a quarterback who can do those things in spades probably and you're still like just do that thing that you always do it's so cool to watch and so, but you know what it's fine the vikings win the Gophers beat the Badgers. Huh. All I know is that Minnesota sports fans are going to be very happy, and that's why I am, the, I am a fountain of positivity towards Minnesota football for this weekend.
0: Well, to put a wrap on it, I would say that if there was one game this year that they needed, it yes. was this one. They this did, was a must-win. They did not need Chicago. They wanted Chicago. Chicago. But they needed this one. It was a must win for their playoff chances. If they botched this, Green Bay does not have the toughest schedule going down the stretch. Yep. So Green Bay, even if they're a well, mess, will still get some wins. And Carolina and
1: Seattle and Washington potentially. Yep. 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 So you could that that game in Seattle, if they had lost this game tonight, would have been absolutely huge. Yep. And now it's important, but it's not the same. No, I think I think the loss in Chicago made this an absolute must win. And, and I never thought that they would lose this game, but I was curious how the Packers would approach this game, and the Packers did the Vikings a tremendous favor, and because of that, now to your point, if you split the Patriots and, and Seattle, you, you feel good about yourself, and even if you lose both those games, you don't feel like, oh boy, we're basically dead.
0: So this last week felt like we were on the edge of this season falling apart, and they were. And they walked up to the edge, and Mike McCarthy said, no, 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 back right back off that nope. edge. Don't you worry. I got this for you. You are right in good I'm shape. jumping myself. But there was no bigger game this entire season than right here, and they come away with a win, and Kirk Cousins with his best performance I would say of the entire season because he didn't turn the ball over. There was no late game fumble. There was no this accidental Philly? pick. Do you think? Uh, there was the fumble in Philly That's that kept true. the Eagles in the but game. That performance
1: was pretty good. He made some great throws. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. This one but I think this was the was smartest. Better. This,
1: yeah. this, this was this was the blueprint for what you need. Yep. Correct. Okay. Agreed, agreed. Because if you get this if you get this and your defense plays to its capabilities, you're in pretty good shape.
0: And a complete game with both of Adam Thiel and Stephon Diggs dominating respectively. So spreading the ball around is Oh, it, you know what? Is, we, we is forgot. Go. Yes.
1: Laquan Treadwell.
0: Another drop. Oh, yeah. Just
1: end just end it. Yep. End the experiment. Aldrick Robinson is fine. Yep. Just end it. Laquan should be your fourth guy. Aldrick Robinson catches everything they throw at him. I
0: know he does. And so Cousins if, likes him, and he trusts him yep. to remove the temptation. If he gets two catches a game, you're in good shape. Let him be your Jerry's right for the season, and just forget about the first-round pick. I agree. Okay. Yes, because that is
1: everything that the Vikings do from tonight on has to be not not with an eye of what makes you look smart or if you drafted a guy in the first round. If you want to have playoff success, everything that they do from tonight on has to be... As as wise a move for the playoffs as possible. And and Robinson might not win games by himself, but I don't think he's going to kill you. Laquan Treadwell has a good chance to do something because here's the problem. Kirk throws him the ball. He Kirk's does. sort of like, well, you're yep. there. I'm going to throw you the yep. football. And you're like, no. Don't do that. That's all, all right. I got for you. So
0: we've got our Purple Live show coming up on Tuesday. Make sure that uh, you tune in. That is live. As the name suggests, on fifteen hundred ESPN. So make sure you tune into that, or stream it online, or you feel free to call in. Six o'clock, Central Time. And then
1: you've also got your uh, your Thursday night Lucky's Thirteen show. Correct? Where is that? Bloomington. Yes. All right. And I believe that is this coming Thursday as well. Wonderful. You're going to be a busy man. You love the public appearances. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. You love to talk to people. You love the public appearances. The public loves me, and I know that. that's the problem. I know they all
0: want Zulgat
1: autographs. Oh, and I get all these tweets about how great I am and about how I love the Gophers.
0: People want you to give them their own Zulgad headlines. Like They tell you about your life, and then, like, how would you put this in a headline, Judd? So, anyway, okay, yeah, we've got that. Bloomington and uh, (laughs) Sage Roosevelt will be back from Mexico or wherever he was on vacation. And we will talk to you then.